0: It brings light and it brings life. It brings understanding, even to the simple of of us. And we thank you and we honor you for that enlightenment. Oh, it's so wonderful to get the light of God inside of us. We thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, and praise God. Amen. Amen. So I thought we'd talk a little bit today about the high cost of negativity. Amen. The high cost of negativity. Uh, because it, it is something that um, it's prevalent um, today, very much so. Uh, you have to really be careful what you listen to, what you hear, how you hear it. When the, Jesus said, be careful how you hear, you have to filter things through the Holy Spirit. You gotta hear. You have to listen and then ask God, what about this? You see, that's how you hear. You can't just hear with carnal ears because the enemy is always there with something to tantalize our ears, you know? And especially if your ears are itching to hear something, we're all human. We all pray, fall prey to the flesh and the things that the flesh is heir to. And so we're we're as as Christians, we are believers that the Spirit of Christ lives in us, but you gotta feed that spirit. You gotta let him dwell in you. You have to live let him live through you as well as live inside of you. And so it's always um a bonus and a plus if we can help ourselves through our speaking, our thinking, our desires to stay out of what what I'm just calling negativity in a negative aspect of thinking and speaking and believing. Uh, negati- negativity uh, detracts. It takes away. It subtracts. It eventually digs a pit for us in our lives. Uh, we think it's a minor thing or a small thing. You know, people always want to downplay uh their faults. So, you know, say for instance if if you say something that's contrary to God's word and someone speaks up and says, Well, no, we're gonna believe God. Well I was just kidding. You understand what I'm saying? We always want to defend our negative speaking and behavior when really that person is doing you a favor in helping you to understand you don't want to keep digging a hole for yourself in this area of your life. I mean, how deep do you want it to go before you decide you're going to reverse this? And listen, all negativity can be reversed. If that weren't true, we wouldn't be saved. You got me? Because we were on a, a negative road And so all negativity can be reversed Why? Because it's of the temporal realm it is, it is of the world It's a temporal It will be temporary If you start replacing it God's with God's word If you don't, it will be permanent in your life So it's up to you to recognize it and start to build a more positive outlook inside of you, start to build a more um, uh, encouraging, hopeful um, presence, all of that. That's it, This is our responsibility now that we have God. And so how does God look at it? At things like this, you know, what, what does he do? Well, in Genesis 1, when you look at the creation 1-1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was that without form and void. Now he didn't create it that way. How do we know that? Because he corrected it. Amen. It was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon that. He moved on that. So if God created it with darkness, it would be darkness even still. Because he's holy. He doesn't make mistakes. So how did he create the heaven and earth in one verse and the next verse it's all messed up? Or it's something he didn't want? Well, it looks like something happened in between. And what we believe happened in in between was Satan fell to the earth. And he brought darkness with them. He brought the void with him. He brought negativity with him. You got me? So when that happened, then God says, oh, let me fix this. So his let there be is the fix. Okay? It's the fixer. That's why you have his spirit inside of you to fix everything that's wrong in your life. You can fix it. Amen. Amen. You can fix it. And if you don't believe anything else, you must believe that. See, responsibility can have two different impacts in our lives. Some people don't want to be responsible. We call them irresponsible. But if you can understand that every bad thing that's going on in your life can be fixed and you take responsibility for it in that vein, then that brings hope to you. Got me? So responsibility isn't always a bad thing or a negative thing. If I tell you if you don't like your life You're responsible for the condition it's in Now you'll feel condemned You'll cry You get mad at me You go home Have a fit Throw a fit But you have a choice now You can either hold on to Your former way of thinking Or you can say You know what That's the best news I've heard in a long time Because I know I have a chance now At a better life Because if I'm responsible I did de- this day. From this day forward, I decree that I will make the right moves to change my situation. Got me? And just believe that God will help you do that. If it's something that's contrary to God's word, of course He's going to help you change it. Amen. He will help you change these things, but you got to take responsibility for them. See, there's no such thing as victim people, because if it's in your life and you haven't removed it yet, you're still responsible for it, you see. And so we have to understand that God has given us authority, given us dominion and control over our lives. And that what he said, let let us make man in our own image, in the image of God created he them male and female. Amen, And we're made in God's image. So we have the ability to believe, to speak, to think, and to change things. And that's how you do it. You do it with your believing. You do it with your speaking. If you say you believe and you don't speak, you're lying to yourself. Because you're saying something. You're believing in something more than you're believing in God's word. Amen? And so we have to take up the responsibility in a good way so that we can um, do the things that that will will create a good life for us that will establish goodness in our lives and that will look to keep reestablishing goodness in our lives negativity says it won't happen god says let there be yes. amen so when you speak god's word God's word will allow it to happen instead of thinking it won't. Amen. That it won't happen comes from darkness. It comes from the curse. Amen. Satan is in charge. He's the prince of darkness. because So all the negative words, all the dark words, all the words of doubt, all the words that challenge God's word come from him. Negativity actually is part of the Old Testament law. That's why we pick it up so easily. Amen? The Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments say don't do this, don't do that, don't, don't, negative, negative, negative. It never tells you what to do. Now why was it written that way? What do you think? Huh? Think about it. The Old Testament told men what not to do. Because if it hadn't, they would have done it. Because of their natural inclination was towards selfishness, everything that's in the Ten Commandments that tell you don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, 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 and that, it fights your negative inclination to do those things. It was natural for people to steal if they wanted things. It was natural for them to lie if they wanted to. It was natural to them to lie on each other if they needed to. And so God would say, no, I don't want you doing these things. Even though they continually did them and had no power not to do them, at least now they understood right from wrong. So the negative things really come to teach us right from wrong. It's why uh, good parents will be consistent in their teaching of their children, even though the kids get sick of hearing, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. You notice that when your children are toddlers, you do more don't do than you do do got me because their natural inclination they're curious they want to inspect things they want to you know play with stuff and all that kind of thing and so the natural inclination is to do things that are not pleasing that don't lead to you know harmonious living that kind of stuff and so when you understand that what What you are there to do is correct their natural inclination towards things. The Bible says the one who spares the rod hates his child. What that means is you don't want to see them turn out good. Even though they get tired of you saying no and you get tired of saying no, eventually no will stick in their heads. That's what you're doing. You're doing on the on the eventuality, and they will see a consistency in the discipline that you bring to them. That's what God's looking for out of you as a parent. It's consistency that you don't just get tired. I get tired, yeah, yeah. yeah." And so, uh, you know, yeah, because you you are built the same way they are. You wear out easily because you don't understand what you're doing is right. You know, a lot of times people, you see people that do certain things, they do them out of habit. My parents did this and I, I, I'm doing it. Or, my parents did this to me and I didn't like it, so I'm not gonna do it to my children. We don't ever think about what. You see the negative, natural negative flow in thinking? It's always to find fault with, to pick apart. Somebody write some stuff down because y'all act like you ain't paying attention here. Amen? You know, you're not gonna remember all of this. I don't care how good you think your memory is. Make notes of things so you'll go home and carry them out. Amen? And so when you understand that this is what goes on in the natural inclination of things, you'll be more willing to receive correction from God. You'll see it as a blessing. The Bible says when the righteous slap me, (laughs) it's a kindness. Hmm? Because you need to be corrected. If they didn't care about you, they wouldn't take time. Any, any, any attention a righteous person gives to you is a blessing. I've noticed sometimes when people get up in prayer lines or they get to maybe uh, go into places where they meet prominent people, you know, some people have just running off at the mouth and I thought to myself boy if I had five minutes with certain people I would sit there and not say anything you understand I'd just be there to receive what they have that they can impart to me but it's amazing how how how, how many of us feel that we have something to contribute everywhere we don 't understand the difference between receiving from somebody greater than us you know in a way that 's going to help us? What am I really here for i 'm not here to run my mouth and and get all the attention maybe i 'm here to receive the wisdom that this person can impart to me, so we don 't really think many times you know the carnal frame won 't let us think on higher levels, on higher spiritual levels, levels on positive levels, that kind of stuff. And so we have to really kind of rein ourselves in and start to put things together a little bit better so that we can prosper in life and prosper out of these negative situations. We're all born in negativity. We're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And that, that m- method of thinking will be a part of us forever you you have to to redeem that back and renew that and restore that or it will dominate your life forever and see you'll be what we call kind of like the religious hypocrite type people the change hasn't really grabbed them so they know how to behave for a little while where they're around the saints and boy you get in, them in that car on the way home with them and they'll turn into another person You understand? And so uh, even spirit-filled people, if you don't tame that negative beast on the inside of you, it will dominate your life. You'll start speaking it. You'll start thinking it. You'll start going downhill. It'll take you downhill. So we have to put that thing in check. And there's a way we'll talk about how to put it in check and get it to where it needs to be. So when God saw the earth without form and void, he did something about it. When we find ourselves complaining too much, being too negative, we must determine to do something about it. So you have to be the guard. Over your situation. You have responsibility for your life. So what are you going to do about it? And so darkness covered in the sea. The ocean was raging. Is what the um, one of the translations tells us. So it was in disorder and disarray. And it was dangerous. The earth was a dangerous place. Why? Because the devil was in charge of it until God came and placed order back into the earth amen and so that's what he did when he said let there he did the creation the perfection i would say of creation so there's a creation and then a second one uh, it, it's apparent to me from the first chapter of genesis and so it says here darkness is is without god cuz when god came he replaced the darkness with light. Negativity and complaining caused darkness to surround our lives and to increase. Amen? So darkness really means to be without God. Amen? Our old man is without God. That's why everything that comes out of your flesh is dark. And when we are negative, we complain. That is the primary expression of negativity from the human heart and the human mind. To complain means to es- express dissatisfaction. Or annoyance about a certain state of affairs or an event. So the current state of your relationship, say with your spouse, it can be a matter to complain about or it can be a matter to express thanksgiving. It's up to you. It's up to you what you see and what you express. So really what you do is you look at the sum total of that relationship and you decide if it's praiseworthy and thankworthy or you decide if it's complaintworthy. Amen? So in, in how do you decide that? This is very important. How do you decide if it's complaintworthy or praiseworthy? You decide by what you think is important. What do you think is important in that relationship? Mm-hmm. Let me put it to you this way. What does God think is important in the relationship? See, that's, that's the one person we seldom check in with. Huh? Huh? That's a good, good thing. Because really we say we love God, we say we serve God, we serve, the but what does God think about that relationship? Amen. And and many times we're afraid to find out. In fact, we don't even think that way. We just think what we see, and or we think we have a scripture that our spouse is violating. Amen. Yes. <laughs> and if we want to follow them. We want to track them down to the end of the earth to make sure they behave. You better obey God can't disobey god and i like you i remember praying with many many women when when i first started ministry i was uh in a women's ministry and got trained there and uh you know sometimes you just say well sister why don't we just take that old rascal out behind the barn and Whoop him real good! I got a pistol. It's got a pretty heavy handle on it. What you got? You understand what I'm saying? Because there was never anything good said there. You understand what I'm saying? When really God does not speak to us about others' behavior toward us. Now I know people who will say, "Well, I asked God, and they said that that I was right and they were wrong." I know He didn't. <laughs> no, He did not. <laughs> No he didn't. Well God told you. Huh? What did Jesus say? Who is without the with sin among you cast the first stone? So he's not going to talk to you about other people's faults. That woman was caught in the act of adultery. He didn't talk to them about her faults. Huh? So you lied on God. You were so desperate to be right you told yourself. God told you that, huh God will tell you to do one thing and that is to forgive that person and love them should do an act of kindness, love them so you can repair the relationship. He ain't thinking about right and wrong. that was dealt with at the cross. See at the cross everybody was wrong and when you, if you stayed around till Sunday, you were right. Write that down. A lot of times we skip over the important things waiting on what we want to hear is important. You ain't going to hear that here today. You're going to get truth. You're going to get what God wants you to have. So for everybody who's judging somebody wrong, stop it. You are not a righteous judge. We only have one of those. And that that position's filled already, amen. So we don't need more little judges on the throne, judging who's right. And both of y'all arguing, acting stupid, and you want to know who's right and who's wrong. I tell you, both you yeah, yeah, both of you are wrong. Because if the relationship is broken, that makes you both wrong. You're both responsible for mending that relationship. If nothing else, but to to forgive that person. And let God move you to the next place. If there's reconciliation, now, if it's a spouse, you definitely you you're wrong if you're mad at him after sundown. Come on, y'all, let's stop this nonsense. So you you're holding people in judgment sometimes on their behavior when God says forgive them. And love them so that you can come out of darkness and come out of negativity. Quit digging a hole for yourself in that situation. Amen. So when God saw the darkness, he spoke light into it. And that's what he expects us to do in our dark situations because we have the ability to speak light into them. Amen. Our old man is without God. Amen. So you don't listen to him anymore. You don't let him dictate to you anymore. So complaining is an expression, we said, of dissatisfaction or annoyance. Why would you express dissatisfaction when you have the power to change it? See, the powerless criticize. The powerless complain. Hmm? And then after you complain, you feel sorry for yourself because you can't change anything. Hmm? So you gotta break yourself out of that syndrome. To complain means to grumble, to protest. Hmm? Protesters get very little accomplished except tear up the streets, you know, leave a lot of trash behind them, make some little videos that they can put on their page, you know, whatever, hope to get on on the evening news. Mm -hmm. This kneeling protest with the NFL players is still going on, and none of them can say what they're looking for as a result of their protest. Yeah. See, the people that did this effectively had a a right to request certain things and what they did was they got out and demonstrated so that they could announce their position. Mm-hmm. When Gandhi started the passive resistant movement in India back in the 1940s, They were protesting British rule over India, and they wanted their independence, and they got it. They garnered enough attention and support, and they listed all of the things that they thought Britain was violating as far as not allowing them to have self-government, etc., etc., and that was eventually granted to them the same thing with the civil rights movement that was led, led by christians in this nation we were able to sit down with the president uh and write out uh, the civil rights act that forbid people to discriminate on the basis of color national natural origin there was something there that we wanted as a result of the protest When you continue to draw attention to yourself and you're unwilling to give the people you feel who are in power an agenda to follow, you're not doing any good. You're digging a hole for yourself. So little by little we've seen fewer and fewer people taking a knee. We'll sing fewer and fewer because what happens is they, they dissolve into some kind of darkness. It's like I'm here by myself. I'm still sticking with the protest. Well, everybody else has left you. You got me? We, they've already given some money for whatever they feel they want to have the money for that there's been a settlement and we still got people protesting because that's the nature of some people to just be negative, to be complaining. To not ever be satisfied. So there's always going to be somebody out on the picket line somewhere because that's the way people are. Amen. Negative people never want a solution. They just want to be who they are. And that is complainers. Negativity always increases the darkness around your situation. So if you feel like you're in prison, you continue to be negative and that puts another bar there. That puts a double padlock on the, on the prison cell. To, to complain really means to quibble. To grumble, to protest, to have a grievance, to whine, and to mutter. So really, the complainer is more or less reinforcing the negativity within himself. See, if you mutter, if you have a complaint, if you feel it's legitimate, you'll go to somebody in authority to see if it can get resolved. Chronic complainers don't want a resolution. They just want to complain. It it's part of them. It's they feel they have a right to express negative things. Well, that's true, but do you really think it's good for you? Do you really? It's like I'll see some some people just say anything in front of their teenage children and I'm thinking, "Why aren't you more discreet with your words?" Especially when it comes to challenging authority, you see if you if you challenge if you every time you know you hear something about the police, oh yeah, they're prejudiced, they're racist, they don't like black people, they're always picking on people,, you know, you start speaking that out loud. What do you think your kid's going to start believing? So all of a sudden, the police who are called to protect everybody are your child's enemy. And, you you, and then when you, they get arrested, I don't know how that happened. Right. Sure you do. Yeah, sure you do. If you watch your words and see it so common, be careful as a Christian of the common things that everybody believes. Just don't, don't just pick that up and never challenge it. Learn how to be selective about what you speak in the hearing of other people, especially impressionable people, especially young people. People say things, well, you know, he's, he's been in prison all his life and, uh, you know, his parents will say, I don't know how that happened. We didn't raise him. You didn't raise him. Not really. You didn't have anything in mind. Probably didn't have his welfare in mind. You probably didn't have in mind what you were saying and didn't really know how to raise. A better child. You got me? And so that happens very, very often. It just perpetuates itself. Why? Because negativity is so easy to pick up. It's hard to resist. It's hard to resist. You need to keep in mind that your heart expresses your desire. What's in your heart is what comes out of your mouth. When light or enlightenment or knowledge comes in, it's fought by the darkness. You try it sometime. You go into a hospital room and everybody's wanting to pronounce somebody dead. And God tells you to speak up and say, well, let's pray for them. And see if everybody don't turn on you. Amen. So light will always fight darkness. Now, if you say, say if you're in a bad mood and you don't want to go somewhere, something like that, and your spouse comes up to you and says, well, let's go here. No, nah, I don't want to go and you get faint and get on the bed and, you know, wiggle around for about an hour. Yeah, okay, we got the point. All right. You don't want to go. But, but it's, it's thought when, when people want to be, uh, in that mood, so to speak, they'll stay there. Because they feel they have a right to be there. Okay? And so it's, it's costly. This, this is costly. It costs you something. Cause you don't go forward. You don't make any progress. You just stay where you are. Then all of a sudden you get to church, you want to be healed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's just the truth. You know. Darkness still covers the earth. You need to know that. It's easier to grab onto darkness. Light, you have to fight for. You have to fight for light. Amen. Hosea four six says, "My people are destroyed or perish for lack of knowledge." So, light and knowledge are the same thing. Light and knowledge. Are the same thing. A lot of times people are in darkness because of ignorance. They, they just don't know. They have not been taught. Now think about it. If, if you think about the prevalence of darkness everywhere, and then you think about all the information that's dispersed 24-7, online, on TV, on radio, everywhere, and you think to yourself, you know what, all of this is coming from the devil's kingdom. But yet we listen, we try to sort through it and find something good. We'll, you know, say for instance, nutritional information. When I was growing up, you had uh, seven basic food groups. You know what I'm saying? You, and you you selected and, and it was pretty well established that if you ate that way, you stayed pretty healthy. Now we've got nutrition experts. Where do they come from? They just, you don't have to prove you know anything. You just get on there and start talking stuff. You've got a diet to fit anybody's fancy. You know, you can find something that, that you like about anything and they, they all say you'll lose weight if you stick with this one's better because if you stick with this, you'll get this. And oh no, it's not about weight loss. It's about, uh, your, your health. Now we're all health conscious and of course you gotta buy something to make yourself healthy according to what they think. And it's all coming from darkness. That's why people don't have to prove that they know anything about nutrition or fitness to be a fit person, a personal trainer, any of that. They don't have to prove anything. Just just get out there and start talking stuff. And so as believers, we have to kind of sort through this and be careful how we hear and not start picking this nonsense up and start living out of it because it starts digging a bigger hole for us. Now I'm not saying none of this stuff helps you, but you better pray, you better get some light in on the subject. <laughs> so people are are um destroyed for lack of knowledge. And when I say knowledge, I mean knowledge that comes from God, the the good stuff, the light that comes and shines in on you, all of that. You're destroyed because you don't know certain things you know, you'll see people that carry on habits that they've had for generations and they don't make sense you look at them and they don't make sense it's like i'll i'll people will say things like well uh, i'll i'll challenge people sometimes i say why do you like bottled water you don't even drink water out of your tap that water out that tap is terrible and I said, you mean the water that you cook your food with and you wash your clothes with and you wash your dishes with and you make ice cubes with and... You see what I'm saying? So, I mean, if you like the convenience of the bottle, just say that, but don't just obey something and not understand how foolish it is cuz there's going to come a day you're not going to be able to afford afford bottled water if we keep going the way we're going and the world it keeps getting darker and darker somebody's going to start holding up the water supply huh? and it won't be freely flowing for a price you know uh the mark of the beast in the bible's real And so we're going to have to go back to learning the Word of God to bring light and enlightenment to us. Learn how to pray over things, bless them, sanctify them, make them pure with our faith and with our words. But see, if our words are negative all the time, you're not going to somebody come to you and tell you, you don't have to take that bottle of water, you can bless the water you have. They want to tear you apart. You know, or walk away from you. Hopefully they get convicted about it, you know. And we got all kinds of ways to open up talking God things to people. You know what I'm saying? Just in challenging some of the ignorance and darkness you see around you. That's what we do anyway. That's what Noah did. The Bible says, by faith, just believe in God. He condemned, he passed judgment on the whole world. Everybody died except him and his family. Why? Because he believed God. He walked in the light. He refused the darkness. He refused to quit and give up. He continued with God every single day. In the face of people who probably ridiculed him, didn't believe him, told him he was crazy. Ah, we never heard of that before. All of that. Whenever you start bringing knowledge and light into a situation, it will be fought by darkness. Look at all the creators and inventors that have ever lived. They would have to fight for for uh, 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 money so that they could test some of their ideas they were always coming up against opposition and the opposition had to do more with ignorance and lack of knowledge than it had to do with anything else and so we have we still have that same fight folks lack of knowledge you know i have christians tell me things like well yeah i'm believing god for my healing but then you send them a prayer cloth or you send did you get the prayer cloth oh i gotta look through my mail you know they're not really believing For anything, or they would know. See, we can have help around us and never partake of it because of lack of knowledge. And see, many times people, we're we're Christians. We're the last people we want to admit our ignorance to one another. We don't trust one another. We don't. Everybody comes in with this wall up. Don't talk to me. I I know what I believe. I don't want to be challenged in my faith. My faith is taking a day off. Don't talk to me about this, that, or the other. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to understand that darkness and negativity want to continue to rule man. The devil wants to continue to rule us. He rules us through our perceptions. He rules us through our processing. And he rules us through our words. How you perceive your situation Makes all the difference in the world. If you see it as bad, and every day it's bad, and you never see it as better, or getting better, or have the hope of getting better, you better take yourself to the little woodshed. You got me? Because you are cutting off hope for a change in that situation. It will never change until you change your knowledge about it and change the way you believe about it. You change your knowledge about it by finding scripture that provide a remedy. Amen. So you provide the fix for every situation. Got me? You do. You have total control over your life. Don't let it go down the tubes because you don't want to challenge yourself. And tell yourself, you know what, I've been wrong all this time. See, what happens after you walk with God, when we're new Christians, we don't mind being wrong. But when you walk with God for a few years, we start to dislike it. And we get defensive about it. Why? Because we think we know everything. But when really just getting scratching the surface, you know, on the knowledge. God will show you every single time you don't know Jack. You understand what I'm saying? You better start, keep, start paying attention and you better start digging yourself out of that negative hole because it's only gonna get deeper if we don't challenge it. So, lack of knowledge is really a form of darkness. Lack of knowledge is what causes darkness. When you gain knowledge, you need to seek understanding. Now I remember being a, a newer Christian and I would say things to older Christians and they say, Well, you know, God's going to fix that because the word said. And I'd say, I know, I know, I know. But I wasn't applying it. So I had knowledge but no understanding. See, I knew the scripture. That's, that's, that's what I can tell you. I'd read the scripture enough, it was very familiar to it, even recognized, memorized some of them, but I didn't have understanding of how to apply that scripture to my life to correct what was going on. So you can have the answer, but not be able to make it work. So you still need God You still need understanding You still need revelation You still need a release in your life To make that word a reality Because if you keep going on like that You'll only get more frustrated That it doesn't happen yet Huh? So you got to admit You need something else God I need understanding, I need wisdom, I need whatever it is that's keeping me. I know what you want for me and I know where I am now. How do I bring myself to that point? And I want to get there. And so you have to confront your darkness. You have to confront your negativity. And you confront it with the knowledge and the wisdom of God. If it's not working, you need to let God know. And you need to face that it's not working, God. I want this to work. And how do I get it to work? It's just that simple. So you have to be honest with yourself and honest with God. Lack of knowledge causes waste. You will be destroyed, Hosea says, for lack of knowledge. So when you think about it, Lack of knowledge, you know the old uh, uh, United Negro College Fund slogan: "A mind is a terrible thing to waste." Amen. And and a person and gifts are terrible to waste. Not just their minds, but but their abilities, their lives, their souls, contentment that they would find in their lives. So a person it goes to waste if they don't have knowledge and knowledge and understanding. You can have gifts and abilities but not know how to put them together to make them work for you. There are many gifted people who don't know how to make that gift uh, make room for them in their lives and in the earth. So you need knowledge to go with that. Many people don't understand what negativity costs. They don't understand the cost of it. That's why it's so easy to let words just come out of your mouth that speak to a situation without having any kind of, of, you know, correction inside of you or, or understanding of what you've just done. So when people release negative words, they often don't understand what they've done. Amen. And so that's why we, we, gather together and we study the word of God and we study God's way so that we can understand what we are doing uh, with our words and stay away from the negative, amen many times people have no knowledge and that's what God's word brings it brings you knowledge as you meditate on the word it brings you understanding understanding We need to know what happens when we release negative words and a negative spirit into our lives. A spirit of complaint is driven by words of discouragement and lack. So if you perceive lack in your life, a spirit of complaint will settle in on you. And that spirit will cause you to continue to perceive lack. And people can say, well, you've got this, that, and the other, and you've got this, and you know, rejoice about, nah, nah, you don't understand. And so that spirit of complaint will settle in on you and begin to drive everything in your mind. Got me? So it puts that in the driver's seat in your life. So that then your whole life begins to be a life of complaining. If you're not careful, the spirit of complaint will bring bitterness with it. So that your attitude about the whole thing starts to get poisoned. So that you don't ever believe that there's hope to correct the situation. So if you've allowed that spirit of complaint to turn into bitterness... Mm-hmm. and pretty soon self-pity will come in and you'll start feeling sorry for yourself that, that you're in the predicament you're in and things never change for you mm-hmm. and so we have to fight this thing you have to make up your mind and say goodbye to complaining you just have to say no uh, that's not for me I'm uh, I'm not going to do that anymore you know uh, sometimes people live i call it a, a low level of complaint like it becomes easy for them to c- bring could grab onto that spirit in certain situations you, you understand what i mean and it's not like they're they're bitter people or angry people to be around you know sometimes they can snap out of it but somebody else has to do the snapping you understand what I'm saying? You don't want to live like that. You want to be the one to snap yourself out and say goodbye to it and never go back again. See, I don't care what it's going on in my life, I'm not I don't live there. Huh? I live in the spirit of hope. I live in a spirit of faith. I live in the kingdom of God. I don't live there in the land of problems. So you can make that choice, but you gotta work at it. You can't just say it one day and it happened. You have to work at it. So when complaining confronts you the next time or something negative steps into your life the next time, you don't step into that spirit. Amen. So you can stay away from the spirit of complaint. Because it is driven by words. Words of discouragement, of lack. When you gain knowledge, it helps it. When you gain knowledge, it helps it. Never be resentful of knowledge. Never be resentful of people who have knowledge. Never be resentful of successful people. When knowledge comes, we can then start to release words of hope and mix our faith with it, and we get God's results. Once you make up your mind to do this continually, you will see results. You'll see good results. But if you're just going to try it for a minute and then go back to complaining, it will not work for you. And you can see why. Is because you're still digging a hole. You go back to that same shovel and hole you were digging with your negativity and you start digging more. In fact, some people just tie one on when they get an opportunity. to. They get somebody who's got a listening ear to let them complain. Man, you have to learn how to shut that off. Many times if you bring correction to people, they're angry at you. So, you just sometimes change the subject, sometimes have to shorten the conversation, do what you have to do. You know what i'm saying but but don't let that be a part of your fellowship with them. You don't fellowship with people and they're complaining. It will have devastating results. um Let me see where I want to go with this one now. Let's go to numbers chapter sixteen, and we'll see the high cost of complaining. Complaining comes from a seed that's planted on the inside of our thoughts, and it is able to penetrate our hearts. 16 verse 1, Now Korah, the Saul of Ishar, the son of Kohath, son of Levi, so he was a priest, but not in the line of Aaron. He was not a son of Aaron, okay? says son of Kohath, the son of Levi. Levi was the father of Kohath and Aaron. So Aaron and Moses were brothers, sons of Levi. Those were the ones who were called to minister in the priesthood. So what you got here is a preacher squabble, you know, or church leadership type squabble. So you got the pastor's. Moses and Aaron. And you got maybe a deacon or somebody. That's Koath, uh, Koath and, and, uh, and, uh, Korah, his son. The, these were, uh, it says the sons of Eliab and On, the son of Peleph, sons of Reuben, took men. So here we got pretty much strong leaders. They rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes. So these are also leaders. These are heads of families. That word prince for the Hebrew culture was either a, a head of a tribe, uh, like one of the 12 sons of Israel, or they were heads of their own families within that tribe. So they were referred to as princes. They were responsible for a a number of people. So these 50 princes also had people under them speaking for these people. Princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, and men of renown. So these were the most favored of people. See, this is a situation where somebody may be in line for authority, but they can't wait. See, this is the, we got a lot of people like that run around the body of Christ. They're apostles every other day, they're prophets every other day, they're sent to here every other day, they're sent to there every other day. They can't, the Bible says those who are called to the ministry wait on their ministering, or wait on your anointing to minister. But they don't, they jump out like these do. They gathered themselves together against Moses, so here's the negativity. When you're against something, and not for something, that's always a tip off that God is not with you. You hear a lot of complaining about the government, about the church, about this, about that. Those people are not hearing from God. I remember many years ago, before I was even in the ministry, I think it was Oral Brother Oral Roberts did something. He was out of money and he made a statement. God told him he was going to take him home if he didn't get that money together. And, uh, oh, everybody had an opinion. I was just running my mouth and God said, did I tell you to say that about my servant? And I said oh, okay So from that day forward I had nothing to say About anybody on that level again You understand what I'm saying Now there's some people who preach wrong And I'll give you scripture for what they're saying Is not correct But I'm not going to tear them down as a servant of God Unless they just really messed up There's some messed up people out there with And they are preaching false doctrine So you know Them people you need to stay Some people don't have enough sense to discern and they'll eat garbage along with regular food. They just don't don't know, you know, so I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about people who really are committed to the Lord and how to stay away from those things that aren't right. And so it says they gathered themselves together against Moses, against Aaron, and said to them, uh, You taken too much on you, seeing all the congregations holy. In other words, we're all believers. We all got the Holy Spirit. We all pray in tongues. Who put you in charge? huh? Every one of them. And the Lord is among them. Therefore, lift up your... How? Why are you lifting up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? I mean, who made you a leader? We're all holy. We all got God. We can all hear from God. We all got the Holy Ghost. And Moses heard it. And fell upon his face. In other words he went and prayed to God. And he spoke to Korah and all his company saying. Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his and who are holy. And will cause him to come near unto him. Even whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near to him. Now this is something the rebellious don't know. See anybody who's been anointed by God. Has Knowledge and understanding that those who are not anointed don't have. That's why it's not good to challenge God's anointed. It's not good to challenge your pastors and your leaders. You understand for who's the smartest and who knows this and I can do this and this uh no. uh because they have been anointed and appointed by God, you don't touch them, you got me? Don't do harm to people like that because God knows how to correct people if they're wrong. If if your heart's right and you want to see uh, truth come forth, not just correction, because God will correct them in the secret place and you won't know anything about it. And they'll be straightened out and you'll be out still acting stupid. You, know, you get me? so this you don't don't want to do and he said this do you, take your censers Korah, and all his company put fire in them put incense in them before the lord tomorrow and it shall be that the man who the lord does choose he shall be holy you take too much upon you you sons of levi in other words god had already sorted out which sons of levi were were responsible for what jobs and so he had already designated the sons of Aaron to the priesthood and nobody else. And so and Moses said, now putting incense in the censers was probably something they'd never done before. Trust me. They knew nothing about that. So the minute that instruction was given, they probably, what is, what's what's talking about? The incense? Wait, wait, I don't know nothing about how to do that. How do we do that? See? And he says... Moses said to Coral, here I pray you, sons of Levi, it seems to you but a small thing that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation. In other words, you're already been separated out by God to work for him. Is that not good enough for you? I mean, you're called to the ministry. All you got to do is get some training and some understanding until God releases you. And right away you want to start a church and start taking people's money. Isn't it enough for you to be set apart, to be called by God already? He's already separated you from the congregation to bring you near to Him. To do service to the tabernacle. So these were the ancillary, the helps ministers in the tabernacle. And he says, and he's brought you near to him. And all your brethren, the sons of Levi with you to seek the priesthood also. He says, has God done that too? For which cause both you and all the company are gathered together against the Lord. They think they're fighting people and you're fighting God. See, this is a grave error folks. This is what negativity will buy for you. Where you don't even understand what God's doing. You don't even understand how God's moving. You don't you you're blinded now. So negativity blinds you. Negativity will cause you to challenge people who are truly sent by God. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which says, we will not come up. Is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land that flows with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except you make yourself altogether a prince over us? So they're saying Moses did all this. You dragged us out of Egypt. You called us up just so we can serve you. Moreover, you have not brought us into the land that flows with milk and honey or given us an inheritance in the fields. Will you put our eyes out of these men? We will not come up. And Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, don't respect their offering. I have not taken anything from them. Neither have I hurt any of them. And Moses said to Korah, be you and all your company before the Lord, you and they and Aaron tomorrow. Take every man his censer, put the incense in them, all of that. And they took every man his censer, put fire in them, and laid incense thereon, stood at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation with Moses and Aaron. Korah gathered all the congregation against them and to the door of the tabernacle. You see that against thing again. And the Lord appeared to all the congregation. Moses spoke; He spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces and said, O oh God, the God of uh, the spirits of all flesh shall one man sin and you be angry with everybody. And the Lord said to Moses, Speak to them saying, Get you up from the tabernacle. Moses rose up and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart, I pray you, from the tents of these wicked men. See, this is the mercy of God. The people who get dragged in innocently, God will give another chance. You know, there were people, these people who get started in the Christian church and get offshoot cults. And go away and start murdering part of the people. You know, oh, God told us we're the select people and, you know, that we can't take the rest of these weak people up with us because we, you know, we're going to go enter into the promise or something. You know, all that crazy stuff. God has mercy on people, cause you'll, you'll see some people say, well, I used to be with that group. Uh, they had one out here, uh, well, Cleveland and the suburbs of Cleveland. This has been about 20 years, 15 or 20 years ago, where they murdered a whole family and buried them on the property. And there were people in that, that, uh, community, maybe like 20 or 30 people. And they said, well, he started talking some strange stuff, and we thought he was really hearing from God. But when he started saying this and that, we knew it was wrong, so we left. See, So there's mercy for people who get innocently involved. I say that because people will look at the Bible and think, Well, God, he didn't have to kill all those people. He's not a merciful God. He certainly is a merciful God. He will allow people. He's always trying to enlighten people so he can spare their lives. And so he tells them to do the ones who who want to depart, let them depart. And he says, From the tents of these wicked men And touch nothing of theirs Lest you be consumed in all their sins So they got up from the tabernacle On every side And Dathan and Abiram came out And stood in the door of their tents Their wives, their children, their little ones And Moses said Hereby shall you know That the Lord has sent me to do these works For I have not done them of my own hand If these men die The common death of all men Or if they be visited after another the visitation of all men then the Lord has not sent me but if the Lord make a new thing and the earth open up her mouth and swallow them up with all that it pertains to them and they go down quick into a pit negativity digs a pit for you being against what God's doing digs a pit for you and you shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord and it shall come to pass and he had a of, made an end of speaking all these words the ground opened that was under them. It, the earth opened up her mouth and swallowed them up their houses all the men that pertained to them and their goods. They and all that pertained to them went down alive into the pit and the earth closed up on them and they perished from among the congregation. And all Israel that were round about them fled at their cries. For they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord that consumed the 250 men that offered incense. And the Lord spoke to Moses, speak to Eleazar the son of Aaron the priest, that he take up the censers out of the burning and scatter you the fire yonder, for they are hallowed. In other words, I want my censors back. See, God makes a distinction. Suppose he he could have let them all burn. No, those are holy things. Those are dedicated things. They never perish with the polluted things. So that distinction always has to be made by God. So he shows his judgment and his mercy. If, If something in this mess is holy, it gets preserved. In all that big fire, the censers were not melted and burned up. And he says, They offered them before the Lord, they were hallowed, and they shall be a sign unto the children of Israel. In other words, when y'all look at these censers, you'll remember humans used to carry them, but they're not here anymore. And Eliezer the prince, priests took the brazen censers wherewith that they were burnt had offered and they were made broad plates for a covering of the altar to be a memorial unto the children of Israel that no stranger which is not of the seed of Aaron come near the off to offer incense before the Lord that he be not as Korah and as his company as the Lord said to him by the hand of Moses so if you ain't chosen you ain't chosen you got me No offense, but God chooses who He wants, so we gotta respect that. Amen? Don't try to make people into something that God has not caused them to be. Amen? Then here we go, in verse 41, we got some more kicking up. You see how, you see how easily the spirit of complaint will settle on other people. So you have to be careful who you listen to and what they tell you. Understand what I'm saying? On the morrow, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and Aaron that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, a cloud covered it. The glory of God appeared. Uh Uh-oh. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment." And they fell on their faces. And Moses said to Aaron, "Take a censer and put fire in it from the altar, put on incense, and go quickly into the congregation and make an atonement for them, for there is wrath gone out from the Lord; the plague is begun." Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation and behold the plague was already started among the people and he put on incense and made an atonement for the people and he stood between the dead and the living and the plague was stayed now they that died in the plague were fourteen thousand seven hundred besides them that died with Korah. And Aaron returned to Moses and to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and the plague was stayed. Now, as a Christian, as a believer, you have a choice. When trouble comes, how do you respond? You don't rejoice when the wicked are punished. You see if there's mercy. You try and find some mercy somewhere for them if you can. But it's never a time of rejoicing. You you know when people start getting stupid, they're going to get what's coming to them if they don't turn around and repent. And so the righteous then stand between destruction, amen, and life. Between light and darkness. You are intercessor between those two worlds so that the world of God can be released so that people can live. Amen. You need to know that we release what we believe. Negative speaking indicates that we believe that things will not improve. If we don't believe they will improve, they will get worse. You think it can't get worse, it can. You just leave it like that. That is the high cost of negativity. Words plant life or they dig a grave. We bury promises And hope through negativity. So when you speak words of complaining against your situation, against your family, against, you know, people you see on television, against your, your opposite political party, whatever you do, you speak negative words, you actually dig a hole that gets bigger and bigger and bigger and the promise of God does not have an opportunity to manifest and live because of negativity God must help us so the holy spirit puts us in check when he hears us speaking words say for instance you've been praying about um getting a better job and the holy spirit hears you speak words that condemn the position you have right now he will put a check in see we think we're just speaking the truth about the situation where we are well you're a faith person you can't afford to do that if you if you're praying to see a change you got to do something to change it. So while you prayed, you may have prayed in faith. You're still speaking toward keeping the situation the way it is, and/or making it worse. We think they can't get any worse. They can. You can get fired. Amen. And that worse than not having a, having a bad job. At least you got a job, huh? You ask God to change your attitude. It'll be a good job. See, this is what God does. He changes you where you are because if he transfers you, if you're a negative person, and he transfers you to a good job, you'll never see the good there because you haven't been willing to see it all the time. So he won't move you. You stay right where you are. Huh? You'll stay there. Every now and then God says, well, you know what? You're so negative. I'm just going to let you call it quits. But you're going to have to start over again. The next place I put you. Because he cannot, we're not promotable when we're like that. We need to face that. You can want better all you want, but until you get better, and you believe better, and you think better, and you act better, it ain't gonna happen. Amen. There's no better to create anything better coming towards you. It can't get to you because of all the negative spirit around you and negative words and negative believing. So God has to help us. God, The Holy Spirit in us will either sanction us with confirming what we're saying, with an inner witness, or uh, uh, he will speak correction to us by giving us what to say and what to believe and bring the knowledge of God's word to us. But he's not going to force it on us. So he'll tell you once, and if you're crazy enough to keep complaining, you just get stuck with it. He no, okay, well he's not interested. <laughs> you know you what know, you already told the Holy Ghost to shut up. So he'll shut it, he'll politely shut up. Romans twelve is your answer. Romans 12.1 It says, Don't be conformed to this world. Everybody in the world complains about something. Complaining is cheap. Believing God is expensive. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that means your tongue too. When it says your body, it means your mind, your mouth, your will, your emotions, everything. Let that be a sacrifice. It's going to be a sacrifice sometimes for you not to complain. It's going to almost kill you not to say something negative. Especially when everybody else is believing it. That's why sometimes it's good to quit clicking like on Facebook and Twitter. Because you come into agreement with so many crazy things. Huh? Sometimes I click like and I think I ain't that crazy about it. But I don't feel like saying <laughs> You know what I'm saying. You want to try to encourage your little friends. Or you know people believe well if I don't click like sometimes somebody may not like mine. I won't be liked. Stupid stuff. Like, what does that really mean? And so he says, to present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You're not doing anything great. It's just reasonable. And so as you present your body, as you present your mind, your mouth, your speaking, your tongue, your thoughts to God, you resist being conformed to the world. That's your resistance. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. This is along the same line. Present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. Make sure God accepts you. You're doing what's acceptable to God. Amen? And that's just reasonable. Look at what he's done for you. Of course, we don't like to look at that, but, you know might get a little convicted and say I'm acting stupid here. Don't be conformed to this world. But this will transform you. You get up every day and say God, I belong to you. Remember Psalm 91? Huh? You are my God and my refuge. I trust in you. Get up and say that every day. God, you're my refuge and my fortress and I trust in you. And in, in, pretty soon you'll find the change coming. You'll start perceiving your world differently. Your mind will be renewed to think more encouraged thoughts. You won't be so negative. You won't be so complaining. You won't be so condemning. You'll shock yourself sometimes, huh? Because of what you say that comes out of your mouth as good. The Bible says that the whole creation is groaning because of what we say and do. In Romans 8 uh 20, I think it's 29 to 31. Let's oh, up a little farther. Oh yeah, verse 19. And, and this is it, verse 18. I, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, having to guard your mouth, how, having to present your body a living sacrifice, quit complaining, quit thinking negative about it, quit being depressed about everything, that's, that's suffering. That's as much as we suffer. Not worthy to be compared with the glory that's revealed in us. When you get that mind corrected and God starts moving on your behalf, you'll look back and say, I can't believe I fought God all this time about my stinking words for nothing. I could have been living in this glorious realm the whole time. He says it's not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. He said for the earnest expectation of the creature waits for the man. So everything that in creation it says is groaning, waiting for us to straighten up and quit complaining about everything. Straighten up and start manifesting the glory of God. By getting our minds renewed, by quit thinking about what we want all the time. And start thinking about if I do what God says to do and live the way he tells me to live. He'll take care of all these negative complaints I have. God will promise us something. And you know we'll get in there and start getting negative because we say it's taking too long. Where's my stuff God? And we didn't even know we had stuff coming until he told us. That's why sometimes we don't get a whole lot of information. information from God we'd be banging on heaven people say bombard heaven you don't have to bombard heaven you don't even need it you got heaven on the inside of you all you got to do is release it and quit talking about tearing stuff up but see we need to understand though the difference between your carnal frame and your spiritual frame And God will help us to understand these things. Amen. So negativity costs a lot. You don't want to pay that price, folks. It digs a pit for us that we don't need to live in. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for your glory. Lord, let your glory cover all the earth. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. If anybody needs prayer, come on up.